Nikki left her the coins? Well, he definitely gave her the <laughs> Yes. Yes. Great deduction. But like, why did he like, why does she still have the coins? Why didn't she spend the coins? Like, were they important? Could you move her? coins? No, but could you move coins? Yes, you can. What do you mean? Can you? Will people accept coins? Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Casino. And I also finally watched Casino. Casino is another movie that falls into like a long list of movies that I didn't watch because there are movies like my older brother watched. I mean, this like Pulp Fiction was one. Goodfellas was one that we've already done. Um, and I realized when I, when I finally watched it, you know, about a week ago at this point, that I had actually seen quite a few scenes from it. But I had seen a lot in the beginning and then a couple minutes from like the very end. I'm interested to see which scenes you've seen because I did not recognize a single like frame of the film. So the whole movie was like completely new to me, yet familiar because this is like the fifth Martin Scorsese movie we've reviewed. I think it was a lot of Sharon Sharon Stone stuff. Like I saw her in the beginning, like I had seen the stuff with her in the beginning and then I saw the stuff with her in the end when she was like kind of coked out and a, you know, a horrible mother, um, not the very, very end. So, but you know, there's a, there's also like, some people consider this better than Goodfellas. Like it's an argument that people that love Scorsese have. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it's close. I don't I thought think this is, I think this is a really good movie, but I don't think it's close to Goodfellas. Goodfellas just has like something about it, but that that I, I can't just say that and leave it there. It has something kind of like nostalgic about it, as in Casino seems more gimmicky to me. And what I mean by that is the double narrative throughout kind of loses me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of narration in Goodfellas too, though. It does feel like it's used a ton more in this like yeah but at least at least the double narrative in goodfellas makes sense and is done in kind of a a a funny way having like joe pesci and de niro's narration go back and forth whenever in the movie for casino just seems like honestly i don't care about joe pesci's like point of view Throughout the uh, yeah, I, I did, I did think my one like nitpick about the movie was well, one of the the major one was I didn't like how much narration there was. I thought it was way way too much. And then my my least favorite part is um the first time Joe Pesci narrates and he's like, and that's because he had me, his best friend, Nikki Santoro. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <really>? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the it reminds me of like um the part of the movie that's like wow gee you're probably wondering how i got here <laughs> yeah it's just like total exposition um and i actually thought it was funny you would think based on goodfellas that sharon stone might get a little narration too but instead they gave it to uh billy bats this time frank yeah. martino who plays like his side character gets like one small narration bit where he's like, I had to lie to the bosses, like, 
like I couldn't tell him the truth, you know, about uh, the affair. Oh, with I the, thought that was De Niro. I lost track. I you there's you're right though. There's so much narration. I honestly lost lost track of what was being said, like off screen or on screen. I guess funny too is the the beginning of this movie reminds me so much stylistically um, of The Departed. Obviously, this came first, but just like these really short back and forth scenes just packing in so much to the movie it's a three-hour movie and the first like third of it is just so much being packed in so much like exposition to set up the story but it's it's still super interesting but so much packed in there did you lose focus in the middle of the movie because i did because I, I the first 30 minutes, like you said, was just like exposition, exposition. But I'm like watching it and watching it and watching it. And then I like pause it for a second. And I'm like not even halfway through. And I was like, what? Really? And then once I get to the halfway point, the last hour just seems to whiz by super fast. I actually thought for a three hour movie, it was very like well paced. Um, I, it didn't feel that long to me. Like I enjoyed watching it. And, and one thing I'll say about why I would prefer Goodfellas over this is like in both movies, Joe Pesci is a bad guy. In both movies, De Niro is a bad guy and probably a worse guy in Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah. But you like those guys in Goodfellas more. Like they're, there are more people you can honestly kind of root for. Like at the end of the day in Goodfellas, you're probably happy Pesci dies because you see him do a bunch of like, not even horrible shit. They're doing horrible shit in all these movies, but like him killing Spider for no reason, just shooting the guy um, in, the, in the bar. Whereas this, it's like they do a lot of horrible things that are just like make you dislike them. Like the way uh, De Niro treats Sharon Stone and the way Joe Pesci is just, Joe Pesci is like a caricature in this movie of like a human being. Like he's not, there's nothing <laughs> redeeming about him. I'll tell uh, you what just, though. I'll tell you what though. I hated Sharon Stone's character in this. I hated it, her more than I hated De Niro's. Like I was glad all this bad shit was happening to her. Um, especially at the end. I was like, good, fucking die. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing. There is no, rarely is there a likable character in but, one of these type of movies. But, but but in this, there's no one. Okay, well, so you saying this actually kind of gives me clarity on why I like Goodfellas better than Casino. And why I will go on record saying Goodfellas is the better film. Actually, I can't even say that. Okay, here's what I mean by that, Okay. Goodfellas is very much character driven. Like everything that happens in the movie is dependent on the character's motivation and arc and everything like that. You end up falling in love with these characters, even like you said, the really bad guys. Um, however, I didn't really care about the characters in Casino. It was really plot driven for me. Like I feel like, okay, what's happening next? And I didn't really care if. What happened to De Niro or Pesci? I kind of what ha- I kind of cared what. Well, okay, what's going to happen to the money? What's going to happen to the casino? What's going to happen to this this thing? And I just kind of wanted each scene to to play out to be like, okay, what's next? What's next? 
And for Goodfellas, it was really much more, oh my God, I hope he doesn't die in the end. Or, oh my God, I hope she ends up okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I don't know that I would have cared if Hank Hill, Hank Hill, (laughs) if Henry Hill, it still works. If Henry Hill, I don't think I would have cared if he died in the end of Goodfellas. But like his wife, I thought she was a good person um, overall. Like there are, yeah, there are more people to care about. I wouldn't have given a shit if De Niro died in this. I didn't care that Sharon Stone died in this. What's funny is, and we'll get to it, we can just talk about it now. The way Pesci died was so off-putting yes. that I was like, I wanted you to die, but man, I don't want to watch this. This is <laughs> this just... Is- this keeps going. It's bad. Well, the other thing too is there's like, I don't know if you've ever seen this meme, but there's a meme from this movie where two guys are holding Pesci's face up to look at something. And then in the foreground, there's a guy putting pineapple on a pizza. <laughs> and since I'd never seen this movie, I was like, what is that from? And then <laughs> I like finally, finally got to see the scene. It, it happened in. Um, it's not pineapple on a pizza. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's, that's not what happens. Um, I mean, to be to be honest, it ends up looking like pineapple on a pizza. But see, I like I thought there might be a joke in there too, but I let it go because I was worried I wasn't going to nail it. And then you just didn't nail it, and now like, there we go. <laughs> His face was beat so bad he looked like a pizza. It was fucked up too the way he tells him like, "Hey man, he's art. He's still breathing. Don't hit him again." And he just Frank Martino, uh, his you know. Billy Bats from Goodfellas looks at him, like looks him in the eyes and then just cracks him over the head one more time. Like, So let me ask you that guy. That guy was like Pesci's lackey, wasn't he? Yeah, it's a... Because that was a confusing part for me. I was like, I guess, like I know, I, I know why Pesci and his brother had to die because they, they couldn't beat the rap. They were going to probably turn on them and sell them out. And the bosses were like, no, nah, we can't have that. I get that. But to have his own guy do it to him, damn. Well, I mean, it's twofold. One, it's if they don't do it to them, then the bosses are going to find other people to do it to Pesci and his guys. So when they come to you and say, you need to kill this guy, it's like, I kill him or both of us get killed. And that's a pretty easy choice. I mean, and the other thing too is Pesci's so fucking crazy towards the end of this that it's like he's getting them in trouble. You know what I mean? So that's like, you can tell there's anger in their, in their, like, in the way they're killing these dudes because they're mad about like this situation they've been put in as well. Because like, if you think about it, that guy was had to keep going back and forth to the bosses with less and less money. Cause Pesci's fucking Sharon Stone instead of doing his job. And then he's having to answer questions about if he is having sex with Sharon Stone or not. And this guy's like, I'm going to die because I have to lie to the bosses for you. Like you're putting me in a horrible spot. But why his brother? Just because? I mean, fuck that guy. Who cares? Okay, cool. We, like, barely meet him. Yeah, I know. That's why I was, like, so surprised. Um, I'm, You know, you have to probably kill both of them if you kill one of them. I did enjoy the narration in the sense that um, up till that point, Pesci was narrating. And he's like, yeah, so I got him out here. It's like, oh, my dear brother, my old brother. And then it's like, whack! And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... I, I, you have to assume it's kind of coming, but the way it happens is uh, definitely rough and unexpected. Um, you want to start from the top? Let it drop. First thing, I love 
all the suits that De Niro's wearing in this, but especially the first one we see. Or the last one. My favorite. Yeah, or the last one. Um, so apparently the the costuming budget for this was a million dollars. Okay. And De Niro had 70 outfits and Stone, uh, Sharon Stone had 40, which makes I, sense because she was in there less. Do you remember that outfit that Sharon Stone was wearing in the scene where I think it um, De Niro got the award at the at the thing? And okay. it's like this gold dress, but it's like part of it is sheer. And what sheer is like black sheer and then it's gold. She looks like in a like a walking, talking Academy Awards okay. person. That was my favorite dress on her. That was a good one. That was, was a good awesome. one. I didn't I didn't keep track. But they both got to keep all those. So like a million dollar budget worth of shit. And they just like part of their salary, like, yeah, sure, you can keep all these suits. Which I don't even know why he'd want that many suits. And they're all like pretty gaudy too. So mm. um yeah, but I mean, I'm surprised they they just. I guess what are they gonna do with a million dollars worth of costume after a movie? What do they do with all the costumes after a movie? I hope they give them to like charity or something. And I think they end up in a warehouse. Um, I thought that what's funny is the uh, the beginning happened, and I don't know. You know, this is based on a true story. I don't know anything about the true story, and I haven't seen the movie, and. I was like, oh, shit, that's an interesting way to reveal that he dies in the end of this movie. So it's like not, you know, it lets people know at the beginning. So if you do happen to care about this character, well, you know, it's not going to you know hurt you in the end. Because a lot of times when you have like a character you care about and it dies at the end, it kind of spoils it for you a little bit, the movie. You can still appreciate it. Um, but then he doesn't die and you don't give a shit about him. So it's like that didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was especially interesting since the narration was like, and this is how I ended up dead at the end of all this. You know, like, well, how is he narrating? He's dead. Right. Well, but, you know, Pesci does the same thing, too. No, so. I know. Yeah, of course. Of course. Which I think uh, is a, it's a good trick because it's like, you know, I'm, if I, if I do it a certain way, then I'm giving something away this way. It's like, oh, you can't tell. I'm like, what are you getting mad about it? I mean, I know Pesci was doing the same thing, but it just seemed like the narration finally caught up to like the present time for him. It always felt like De Niro was talking like way in the future, which he was. Right. Um, this also, incidentally, was written by the same guy who wrote Goodfellas, which is kind of interesting. No, there's so many parallels to Goodfellas with this dude. I mean, I was just making them all along. Like, first of all, the 10-year gap that this movie had from like, oh, 10 years ago, and now we have to go through 10 years of this dude's life up to his supposed death. Another right. one was, um, which is a very much a trope in Scorsese films, is the woman being the like fault in the plan, like exposing the plan. And then always the involvement with the feds being like at the end of the movie. I'm like... I don't think the woman was the fault with either of these plans, honestly. Well, actually, Sharon Stone turned out to be a nice surprise at the end where she could have easily talked to the FBI and she didn't. Right. And then they're like, well, they didn't need her anyway. Yeah. Um, so back to the top, though, I I like the narration in the beginning um, explaining like, you know, he was a gambler. He's been given a casino, especially like when after we meet Pesci and he introduces his full name, um, he's like, you know, we had this whole casino and we fucked the whole thing up. And he's like, mostly me. And it's like, well, at least... 
in <laughs> death, you can admit that this was completely your fault. Throughout the movie, like he's trying to act like he's not doing anything wrong. Like he can't understand why why De Niro's getting mad at him for fucking up this casino that's making what is it like seven hundred thousand a week or is it a month? I can't remember. But just like a shit ton of money for that time. And he's like, no, no, this thing on the side where I'm robbing people of like coins, that's what we need to focus on. Okay, so maybe you can explain it to me because in the beginning they were showing the back room, right? The back room where all the money was being counted and everything like that. Right. Who's stealing from that? The gangsters? Do they know? Is it just like a, like a cover operation? The gangsters, so that one guy who carries the bag out, the old guy, he, uh, he, he works in the casino, and then he brings the money to the bosses. Uh, Robert De Niro knows it's happening, but does nothing about it. That guy, Green, who's kind of the front man for the casino, because De Niro's technically not allowed to be running it, uh, he knows about it too, but he, you know, so they're all just looking the other way. But yeah, I mean, everyone gets paid so who off. Are they, who are they robbing it from if everyone knows about it? they're skimming it from the casino. Like they're not, so they're taking it from the casino, not being taxed on it. And just like underreporting the amount the casino makes. Mm, okay. So they're stealing it from themselves, but just so that they're not taxed. Yeah. I mean, it. I guess it's basically just money laundering really. Yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly that. Maybe. Um, yeah. All the, it's, what's Funny too is watching this now after seeing the Irishman because the Irishman deals with like a lot of teamster underhanded stealing stuff, and the fact that like the teamsters loaned this sixty two million to buy the casino, and the the head of the teamsters Andy Stone like helps get the the green guy who's the front man like all of that it actually makes a little bit more sense like you don't need the background knowledge if you saw the Irishman because like all of that you know is so much of that movie. Interesting. Did you see the Irishman? I thought you watched no. it. No. No. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know. I also like the uh, the explanation of like how you can get away without having a license by just continually changing your job title. And he's like, we got a guy who's been working for thirty years who still doesn't have his license. Yeah. Like that. That part was pretty cool. And they're like, you don't need your license. You just need to apply for your license. Yeah, I, I also really liked the the background stuff on Ace, Robert De Niro, about how he was a gambler. That's what's like crazy about the beginning of this movie and similar to Departed. There's so many like tiny scenes where they're showing him like in this back room, like getting information about games so he can make these bets. And it's like a set we never see again. It's a location that there's a maybe a 15 second scene. And there's just so many of these. Yeah. Like, like when he throughout. walks into the bar and he loves, he's like, he puts his, he puts, he places the bet on like, just because this guy's white or a girlfriend is pregnant or something. Yeah. So, yeah something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next scene, which is just totally it's called handicapping. Thank you. The next scene where uh, Pesci stabs that dude with the pen and then makes fun of him for crying like a girl. Yep. I, it's it's cool when you have a scene that's that like that's an iconic scene from this movie and it's cool when you have that scene but it also establishes so much that's an exposition scene the whole point of that scene is to show you the difference between ace uh de niro and pesci yeah and like 
like Ace even says, he's like, you know, while I'm sitting there trying to think, why is this guy being a dick to me? Fucking Pesci just stabs him in the throat and, I mean, has to have killed him? We don't oh, know. He that guy him. has to have died. Oh, yes. Um, maybe he lived. Who knows? No. Um, and then, yeah, there's just so much more exposition. The, the Japanese whale story about them saying the plane is broken down and, like, he has to come back and then just taking all of his money. That was great. I love that because it's like, oh, you're just going to let this guy who just like gambled and won two million bucks from you? Nah. No, nah. Get back here. Um, and then I think finally, like after all that exposition, we meet Ginger. Um, and what I really want to talk about with Ginger is I don't understand why he fell for her. Given the just the what we know in the movie, it makes zero sense to me. He just seems to be have become like infatuated through the lens of the security camera, maybe. Right. Well, and the other thing too is in the opening of the movie, he says something along the lines of, "I thought I had true love," and I was like, "Why? Why the fuck did you think that?" The first time you meet her, she's like throwing chips all over the casino. And I guess he liked that she wasn't taking shit from this guy because she thought she was owed more. But it's like, man, that's going to be you soon. That's going to be her throwing all of your chips everywhere soon. Yeah, foreshadowing for sure. Um, also, the fact that he walks out of the... This is in the beginning scene. He walks out in that pink suit. Car explodes. And he's like, yeah, you can't... like Trust and love and love and trust and yada, yada, yada. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, she does this to him. Like, she ends up being the one, and it, she kind of does. So, yeah, I mean, there's like several points in this movie that, you know, if I remember to, I'll point out as we go along. But there's like, there's so many obvious mistakes in this movie that this guy makes, and like obvious to the audience at the time, right? Well, he trusted a hoe, and you should never trust a hoe. <laughs> Words from Milan. Um, but the first one is falling for this woman who he knows in the beginning, like he, as he's narrating, like she's just after money. And she's, so a, like, she's a hooker and a drug user. She's a, um, she, I guess she's technically a hooker, but really she's a hustler as he describes it. So it's like, uh, she's, not necess- she's not necessarily having sex with all these dudes. She's just like, basically stealing from them okay she probably had sex with some of them she's a hooker hustler okay okay we get it um well it's said it multiple times like even at the end of the movie de niro's like once a hooker always a hooker or something like that yeah but he's also very He's very misogynistic towards Ginger. I think the language he uses. Oh, this whole movie, everyone is very misogynistic in this film, David. Racist. Miso- yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, a, that's like a thing when you're like, when you do a movie about really bad people, it's like you, some of the times it, like sometimes I think it does a good job of establishing these are horrible fucking people. And then other times it feels like, I want to be able to say horrible fucking things. And so it's like, this is it. <laughs> well, isn't that what like everyone had a thing with like, tarantino about yes yeah i mean that's that's something he probably gets accused of a lot um i thought it's funny too the next scene with uh with nikki and he just did a diamond heist in antwerp and i was like this is like ocean 12 over here 
Dude, that bun with all those diamonds falling out of her hair was hilarious. And then he slaps her, and I was like, oh, shit, okay. Then he kisses her, so it's okay. No, it's not. <laughs> um, also, so then, like, he asks, you know, he, Nikki goes to Vegas with his wife, meets Ginger, and, like, the way he looks at Ginger... As I was watching this movie, I was like, I, I don't think he ever does anything with her, but they're definitely like alluding to that he wants to. And then, of course, obviously, we find out that he does. Well, let me ask you something, David. If you walked into a um, your friend's hotel room with your wife and his new super hot wife comes around the corner, are you going to go, ooh, boy, you did good for yourself, Jake? or whatever your friend's name in this hypothetical situation in front of your wife. There's also funny too, the kid later on who's like, Oh, you're the most gorgeous woman in the room. You're a lucky man. And like telling someone he's a lucky man is like, I want to fuck your wife. Yeah. I love De Niro's response. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. He was like, Oh, he's such a, he's such a good kid. Fucking fire that dude the next day. No, no, no. Even to him. So when he was like, Oh man, you're the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen. You're such a lucky dude. De Niro goes, like, looks right at him. And he's like, thanks for the compliment. Right. Right. Um, and so, then right after that, we get the scene where Nikki asks if he can move out to Vegas. Or asks or, like, tells him. And I like how Ace is just like, you're, you're going to come out here no matter what I tell you, but you have to keep a low profile. And it's just like, that's like, that's when you know what this movie is going to be about. That there's going to be this clash between Ace, Robert De Niro, wanting to just do things on the up and up, and Pesci just wanting to be a gangster. And it's funny, I didn't think that was the way it was going to play out. I thought, I thought De Niro was at certain points going to become kind of gangsterish, but he never really does, right? No, like he, he doesn't. He's, he's a... He's a bad guy, but he's, it's like the uh, Wreck-It Ralph, you're a bad guy, but you're not a bad guy. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's a bad person, but he like has these standards, right? And I think that's really established um, in the next scene with the, uh, the guys that are cheating the casino. Uh, but real quick before that, I, I do love the, uh, when Pesci's like, I have a foolproof system. And then it cuts to De Niro's narration. I think this is when the narration is used the best. And De Niro's like, his foolproof system is he doesn't pay out his losses, but he collects his wins. Like, just like making fun of him. And it's like, yeah, that's funny. Um, but the next scene I had seen was the guy's cheating. Like, that is, that is something that was like... That's a scene. In, that like ingrained in my mind that like when it was happening, it was like, I remember this scene exactly, which is like I thought that was show a you cool, how well done it is. I thought that was a super cool scene. Um, probably one of my favorite scenes, but especially, especially when they're like dragging the guy in the back room and he's like, do you, uh, do you shuffle with both hands or just your right hand? Just, just, just my just, right. Just my right. Do you, can you do it with your left? Never tried it with my left. And then they just go on to like completely annihilate his hand, uh, his right hand with the hammer. And then he's like, better start trying to learn on your left yeah my favorite part actually is when they bring in the other dude and he's like you can have the 300 and we're going to do the same thing to your hand or you can leave right now he's like i'd really like to leave he's like that's a good choice 
It was a hundred. It was like a hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. I wasn't saying three hundred dollars. I was saying three hundred thousand. But it's like, yeah. Either way, it's like you gotta. I mean, if it I was three hundred thousand dollars, I would have just broken my hand and just gotten reconstruction surgery. That, that wasn't an actual fucking option. A lot. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's funny too. Is like I was like the security guards are kind of dressed like in uniforms that were almost cop like. So I was like, are these? What are these? And then they're just they happen to be security guards because they got like a fucking. Uh, uh, a s- electric saw back there that they start like revving up as they're gonna like just fucking chop this dude up. I was confused about that too. So they were just security guards. Yeah, and I mean that, that that's what I'm saying is like the point is like he was just gonna scare these guys because he was trying to be legit and as legit as you can be of like threatening to kill people for cheating instead of just you know calling the cops. Um, but I think that scene does a great job of that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Now on Pesci's turn, Pesci just fucking stabs a guy with a pen just because he called him a, told him to stick the pen up his ass. I mean, it was really rude. It was really out of nowhere. So I don't really, I don't know what that guy was was doing. You can't just tell people to stick pens up their ass. Okay, but I don't know if you caught this too. But when De Niro walked up to the bar, he like introduced himself to the women and completely ignored that guy. He didn't so, introduce himself. He knew the woman. He said hi to her. Oh, well, he still completely like put himself in between that guy and that woman's like conversation and then just proceeded to ignore the guy. Well, to me, it was like, I, yeah, I, I get that. But at the same time, it was more just like, I feel obligated to say hi to her. And so it's like, I'm getting this over as quickly as possible. Like, I don't actually give a shit about this person. And I like in like a third person point of view of this, De Niro was just like, hey, is this... um is this your pen? It's a really nice pen. I just wanted to make sure you... I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get lost. I was just kind of sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> it just fucking dies because of it. So stupid. Um, anyways, so moving on. So yeah, like you said, the whole rest of the movie is basically the kind of like Goodfellas, right? The dynamic between De Niro and Pesci and then Sharon Stone. Right, which the next thing is he asks her to marry him. And like yep. this should have been this should have been your first hesitation of like this is not a good idea when she's like, I don't really I don't love you and I'm never gonna love you. And he's like, Well you you I I think you can get there. Like I'll have money and so then like the rest will hopefully work itself out. And like in order to secure this, he like impregnates her first and like has a baby. They have a baby at the wedding. No, she wanted to do that. She wanted to have a baby first because it would have it would have tied her to the money. I don't know. She, I think I, I, no, think no. I, I disagree with you. Okay. So you can explain it as many times as you want. That's just not the way I heard it. There's a line in the movie as De Niro is narrating saying that um, Ginger wanted the... the it was Pesci uh, who was narrating. Okay, fine. Then Pesci was narrating that Ginger wanted um, the baby before the marriage, and it was one of her um, like rules to do so to get married. I think Pesci said Ace wanted it. We're gonna have to agree to disagree on this. That doesn't make sense though, because wouldn't Ginger wanted to? Ginger didn't want to marry him. No, but Ginger wanted to secure the. Secure the bag? The, the, 
prenup or whatever. Yeah. She doesn't want a prenup. Um, the second thing that should have made him pa- you know, have pause was uh, her talking to her former pimp at the wedding and like crying about like, oh, I want to come back to you. Yeah. I mean, just like, you know, the way weddings work, you know, and you should know this coming up is that just because you say I do at the wedding, you still have to turn in the, uh, the document you and your wife signed to the state of Florida. So um, if you don't turn that in, you're not married. So I would have probably just, you know, been like, all right, well, this is, this isn't happening anymore. Um, but he doesn't. And then he decides I'm going to buy her a really nice house, you know, right outside of Las Vegas or, you know, in the suburbs. With her of Vegas. stuff like already in it, which is super impressive. Like he got movers and everything. Yeah, we didn't get to see, like, I can't imagine where she lived. It had to be kind of shitty, right? She's given all of her money to this, this pimp played by James Wood. Was it Lester? So, I, like, she couldn't live in a nice spot. I thought, yeah, I don't know. I thought she had all her stuff at his place. That's why I was confused how it ended up in the new house, but maybe not. Well, and also just how does De Niro not, that's another thing is why, like, that is, that kind of confirms that De Niro is not a gangster in this. He is a, like, he is gangster affiliated. Mm-hmm. A gangster would have fucking killed Lester Diamond just for being who he was, just for formerly just, being the pimp of your wife. Yeah. That dude dies. Nothing. He doesn't have to do anything yeah. further. And he just, does a bunch of, he does a bunch of further shit, but he, yeah. De Niro would have killed him. Yeah. Just because his name is Lester Diamond. That too. Have that too um let's have this discussion david do you think would you would you have given it all up for sharon stone you think she's that hot you think sharon stone's hot i don't think she's obviously attractive um i think she was hotter in basic instinct which is obvious because she was like naked for a lot of it but no i i I think there's too many signs and De Niro is in this movie too rich, too powerful, too like. Why does he fall for someone with so much baggage? There are like are other women. I think it's a little bit because he's kind of even working with gangsters. He's kind of reserved, and she's de- wild, and so maybe that's why he's drawn to her. But like, no, that's a that's a bad decision. Um, and also, like, I love when he puts the two million in the bank and gives her the only. She's the only person that can get to it. And he, uh, he like is talking to the banker after he does this, and the guy's like, "You must really like love and trust your wife." And he's like, "Why are you why are you saying that?" And he's like, "He's like, I work with a lot of guys, and none of them would do this," <laughs> which is right. funny too. And we can talk about it now. She always has access to this two million. I don't understand. They never bring up in the end like why she doesn't take this two million. She's like complaining about the one million dollars in jewels and cash that he has control of that he won't give her the key to, but there was never any explanation of like, he like took back this 2 million. So she couldn't get to it. Yeah. I didn't get that part either. That, that 2 million was set up for what his, in case of a kidnapping or something. Kidnapping or he needed it because he was um, being like hustled by the police or shaken down by the like other people. Yeah. And she even spends like 25,000 of it later on, later on to give to, to give to Lester and she's like, Oh, he bought, I bought him suits and a watch. And he's like, we'll, we'll get more into that later. But like, 
maybe it's just this unsaid thing that like he clearly like took that money back from her um but it's not said and so it was just very confusing at the end why she didn't just go into this bank where she has access to two million dollars i guess maybe wasn't it in la so just maybe she couldn't make it to la yeah i think you're right about that but yeah i don't know that that part could have been explained um a little better and the other thing too is like he buys her all this jewelry like a million dollars in jewelry but she has to leave it at the bank and it's just like well what's even the point of it like there's scenes later on where they have the daughter and she's just like in the bank playing with the jewelry like this is how she like that that would kind of like that would be kind of pointless to me yeah i i i get if it was like a collection like oh i it's like priceless artifacts i can't leave the safe because of but it's just jewelry just like Cartier and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's worth a lot, but yeah, he's, I guess he's just super, super paranoid and he probably has every right to be. But um, he trusts her. He does, unfortunately. Yes. Um, so where where are we at this point in the film? Um, I think at, at this point we get a lot of back and forth like scenes again. Like, I think we're a lot of this is now setting up like where uh, Pesci and De Niro are at. And so, like, Nikki is doing a bunch of like schemes in Vegas, and they're all super obvious. And his name is getting burned through Casino Casino. Right. And I think this, it's pretty soon. This is when uh, Sam tells him, like, hey, you're going to get put in the black book. And he's like, no one but fucking Capone has been put in that black book. He's like, I don't need to worry about it. And he also tells Sam, he's like, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. He's like, you don't need, why are you worrying about the casino? That's not why we're out here. And it's like, what the fuck do you mean that's not why we're out there? It's 700 The whole movie is called Casino. Like, that's why we're out there. Um, so the other thing this movie does really well is, like, like the setup and feel of Vegas, I think is so perfect in this. And it's like similar to taxi driver. And it just like takes you to this time. That's like, it didn't work the same way on me, but it's like so nostalgic for this time of like in a, a time and place that like you and I don't really have any notion of, but it just like transports you there. And I think it yeah. does a really great job of that. How many movies have we watched on this channel? Um, that take place in Vegas. Uh, does the second oceans even? I, second oceans has some, maybe like a f- couple minutes in Vegas, but yeah. What are we at? Three, eleven, three. thirteen, and this. No, eleven, thirteen, this, and swingers. Oh, that's well. There's a scene in Vegas, but it's like yeah, but I mean, it's such a. It puts you. What I, I guess what I'm getting at is that through different sorts of movies right you get into these different perspectives of what like seeing vegas through different eyes like in swingers you see it through like a couple of young guys gambling and trying to hook up with girls and uh the ocean movies you see it through like uh robbers you know thief thief eyes and then for this one you see it through the like the pit bosses and the manager of the casino's eyes and i think that's just like three really different perspectives like really cool perspectives no no yeah i I definitely agree especially Um, it's like three different times um at this point in the movie we are only one hour in and i want to shoot my brains out no (laughs) pesci gets put in the black book um 
which is interesting. I was reading up that uh, De Niro's character, Ace, was actually the one that got put in the black book in real life and he got ran out of Vegas. Well, Which, I'm not saying too much on that because, I, well, I, the, obviously that has to happen at the end of the movie, really, for that to work. You know what I mean? Like to, more towards the end. And I mean, he basically kind of gets blackballed in Vegas anyway because. So he's I guess that leaves it. okay. So that leaves me to my question: Is this a true story? Because I know this is based on a book. But is the book, I guess, based on a true story? Yes, it is. Yeah, this guy's in the uh, Sam. Well, some of the names are changed, right? But De Niro's character actually like helped out with the movie a lot and the book a lot. Um, so I the think same like guy lot- who wrote the Goodfellas book? No, different book. No, yeah, yeah. The guy I said that earlier. The guy who wrote Goodfellas also wrote this. No, I understand but, the, the but screenwriter. De Niro, De Niro's character helped the guy who wrote it write it. Like Sam Ace Rothstein helped Nicholas Pileggi write Casino. But Nicholas Pileggi wrote Casino script, movie script. Um, he wrote, wrote the book. He wrote the book? The original yes. book. He wrote the book, and then him and Scorsese wrote the screenplay together. This is also back to the movie when, like, white hair uh, Pesci shows up, that little streak he's got in there. Yeah. Um, which is, whenever I see that on anyone, it's like, that's like, this is a, this, that's a gangster movie, like, trope. Just, like, a little patch of white hair, like, in a like a black like sea of the rest of the hair um always makes me happy also um, what i really love about pesci's characters is that the quote-unquote younger version that's not really quite young but still kind of a younger version of pesci always has this like very obvious dyed black black hair it's funny i actually thought he looked way younger in this movie than goodfellas like so much younger to me in this you think he's got some work done I don't know. Why would I? That, no, I didn't make any accusations. I just said he looks younger. Okay. I don't know. Jeez. Um, so at this point, Pesci, because he can't go into this casino, just starts knocking over high rollers and like forms his own jewelry store. Um, I thought it was funny where he like locks his own bedroom to keep all the money. And like his wife isn't even allowed to sleep in the bedroom. Right. Uh, one really like subtle thing that I thought was interesting in this movie. And I don't even know if it's on purpose, but I, it might be is at one point when there's the montage of all the people that uh, Pesci and his crew are knocking over. One of the dudes says, yeah, this guy's got a set of like mint condition, rare coins. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, uh, De Niro, when he's talking about um, Ginger dying, he said the only thing she had left to her name was some rare mint condition mint coins. coins. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool. And I don't know, like, I assume it's purposeful and it's like, I don't even know what that's trying to say. So I guess uh, that's trying to say that Nikki left her the coins. Well, he definitely gave her the, <laughs> yes, yes. Great deduction. But like, why did he like, why does she still have the coins? Why didn't she spend the coins? Like, were they important Did you to move her? coins? No, but could you move coins? Yes, you can. What do you mean? Can you Will people accept coins? No, I just mean like, I mean, if they're fucking, you know, collector. I don't think they're one of one. <laughs> these are these are the only of their kind. No, I just Very... mean like, I don't know. Maybe some some collector coins are hard to move. I don't know. In <laughs> the next scene, which is, it's you know, kind of disgusting, but <laughs> I don't know why Joe Pesci likes 
forcing a BJ on himself like is gross, but it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. I, just the way he does it. He's like, all right, we got to put money in legitimate stuff. And then this guy, uh, you know, uh, Billy Bats is like, hey, I got these showgirls. They want to have dinner with us. He's like, all right, let me show you around. And like walks her straight to the car and just like, all right, head down. <laughs> just that's his move. And it's clearly his move as we see later. Like that's his go-to. That's his go-to. Seems to work out. For some reason. I, I I've never I have... personally tried it, but. <laughs> Good. I feel like that is maybe the people he's going after is why that works. What do you mean? Show a, sh- a showgirl and then a former hooker hustler. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. I don't think that works on everybody. I don't know. Time to test it out. Uh, the next scene, which is one of the hardest ones to watch besides the end, is the scene about the guy who kills the the two people in the bar and then the other woman who was just working a shift. And so Pesci's responsible for getting the guy and then also getting the information about who else was there. Um, yes. And then the head and the vice scene. Yes. Oh my God. So apparently Scorsese put that in with the eye popping because he wanted that to be like the sacrifice to the MPAA. So like they'll take that out and he'll get to keep all his other shit. Then the MPA was like, no, that's fine. You can leave that in. He's like, all right, well, that was, I didn't even realize the first time I watched it that that, that was the eye popping. And then, oh my fucking goodness. Because it shows it on the side. Right. Like his, his face is profile and then you just see, psh. but how cool would it have been if you could have seen it like straight on, like with the overhead shot? No, no, I didn't want to see it at all. I didn't, I didn't need to see that. That is a true story. The guy who who Pesci is playing, his name in real life isn't Nicky Santoro, but that is true. He got a guy, was trying to get a name out of him, put his head in a fucking vice, cranked it until his eye popped, and then the guy finally gave him the name, and instead of slitting his throat, they set him on fire and burned him alive. So what you're telling me is that there's a worse guy out there than the fictional worst guy that he was supposed to depict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They toned it down a little <laughs> okay. bit. Okay. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, next, we get back to De Niro. And this is, besides marrying Ginger, it is the worst mistake he makes. It is the, in the movie universe of Casino, the reason everything gets fucked up. I actually yeah. think he would have been fine otherwise, but he fires the slots guy, Ward who deserved to be fired, but he knew he was like a connected guy and he shouldn't fire him. And he does it anyway. Cause he's like, that's his, like a little bit of his fault in, the, in this movie, besides being kind of overall an asshole, but like his pride. Yeah. Of like, this is my casino. It needs to be run. Right. Like he fired this guy over what, what was it? $45,000 in slots that they lost. Was it just that? That's what it was. It was three slots of 15000 each, and that's why I fired the guy, which it's a lot of money, but, I mean, he ended up, because of firing this dude, he lost everything. And then not only that, he's given several chances to fix it. The dude comes in and is like, hey, can you give him his job back? And he's like, I can't. And he's like, oh, I understand that. Can you give him any job? And it's like, why can't you give this guy any job? And you'll keep the county commissioner, like, on your side. And he's like, no, I can't give him any job and that's why i fucking lost everything yeah but i mean 
like you said, the guy should have been fired. Um, deserved to to uh, to be fired. It's just uh, it's unfortunate that nepotism or incompetence kind of like value the. I'm I messed that up, but you see what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah. If if Ward had just been like slightly less stupid, then this could have all been saved. Like it is truly his fault for being so stupid. But I don't understand too is he got mad at him earlier for like moving the slot machines around. It's like, why does he even have that much power? Why wouldn't you just tell him like you're not allowed to move the slots? If these are your most profitable slots, why wouldn't they just always be in the front and you're just like, don't move the slots around? Yeah, but also, I mean, what? How do you, how do three people back to back win on a slot? It's it's impossible. I, I know. So how could he have been set for the blame? He's not blaming him. He 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 even says he's like, I don't know if you're in on it, but if you're not in on it, you're too stupid to work here because you didn't stop it. He's like, after the second one, you should have known. He should have just gotten rid of this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like you should have stopped. Like, so I guess really he only lost 15,000 because, you know, according to De Niro, he's like the first time, obviously every once in a while someone can win. But the second time you should have known this is fucked. And then they won a third time. Um, so yeah, really he only lost 15 that he should have kept. So that's it. You lost everything over 15 K in your casino for like, you know, you're just going to keep making money. Like, why did you, that was, that was stupid. Um, Pride. The next scene, the next scene is ginger asking for 25 K, but not wanting to explain why. And if you're going to have that much, that, see, this is another thing too, right? If you're going to have that much balls to ask for 25,000, at least already come with an excuse of why you need 25,000. Well, she's a fucking drug addict and a drunk. So it's like, she couldn't, but yeah, have an excuse. Uh, yeah, like, or if you know that that like you, the excuse is not going to be enough, you know, just take it out of the two million, which she does anyway. She ends up taking it out of the two million anyway. Like he's never going to know you did that, so just do that. Yeah, and also like, I mean, as I said before, like the fact that she only ever takes twenty five k out of there. One, not explained very well, but two, like at least she is trustworthy for most of the movie because when they escaped you know when she stole his daughter and went to beverly hills with this dude like she could they could have taken all two million then i don't know why they didn't and it's kind of because she was somewhat loyal and like if you think about it like ace overreacted a little bit i mean yes in that in that perspective yeah he did but then when she basically took his daughter away from him now nah, all all bets are off at that point yeah i want to talk about that more when we get to it but yeah no, absolutely um it was stupid to beat up lester like it doesn't really at that point just kill him is, is what you're saying well if you want to kill him that's fine kill him but don't beat him up in front of her like what was the point of that you just like he does so many things in like with Sharon Stone that are just like you don't want this relationship to work out or you don't know how to make a relationship work. But he's not a professional though. 
Like, I feel like an actual gangster would know when to hit the hits, when to let things die down. And he just kind of does things the way he wants to do them. Um, but that kind of just shows his amateurness in, in this kind of life, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, Pesci has to act as a shoulder to cry on. I love too later on when De Niro calls him out and he's like, Oh, she cried on you. Did you tell her you were there? And he's like, why would I tell her I was there? Like, what would that, do? that wouldn't help anything. <laughs> cause it's like, cause he wants to fuck her. Um, I thought he did at that time. You thought he did. They kind of, that's what I was saying is like, when you see that scene, you're like, Oh, they're alluding to this might've happened or this did happen. But then they just outright later, you know, 30 minutes later in the movie 45 minutes later like no this did happen and here we're going to show it to you in detail that i didn't need to see um you know surprisingly joe pesci not as fit as i thought (laughs) in what way (laughs) (laughs) um we get to a point in the movie where there's a lot of like fast cut scenes again um basically like we need to cram a whole bunch of shit uh into this part to explain like the end of the movie but the uh bosses discover that the people in the count room are skimming and the guy's like oh this is leakage it's natural and the boss is like fuck that no fuck leakage they're stealing from us i love the one guy's like if people skim from the skim, like this doesn't work. It's like, they're still making a shit ton of money. Like they admit that, Oh, we can't, we can't be robbed. We, we, we do the robbing. This is the, the whole thing falls apart. Um, and then you have, uh, green, his silent partner, like Sue's and she went, I think what she ends up winning is like a preliminary, like he probably asked for it to be dismissed and the judge said no. So now she gets to do discovery. And, you know, that's going to open up the books and that's going to fuck them. So Pesci is ordered to go in and shoot her. And in that scene where he shoots her, he comes around, puts his arm around her. So his arm is on the left side of her head and then shoots through the right side of her head. And I guess he must know that this is a type of bullet that can't go through the head. Because if it is, it's going to shoot him in his own arm. Yeah, or he angled it, but then you would think there would be like blood splatter on the curtain. I think he has to know that it's like a small caliber to where it's not going to go through. I um, have to say, for as many people getting shot in the head for this movie, there's way less blood in this film than I thought there was going to be. Yeah, it's what's funny is like thinking back on it, I'm like, yeah, this wasn't that violent of a movie. And then you're like, oh, eye-popping scene, bat scene in the end, woman getting shot in the head. It's like there is, but it somehow still seems restrained. Well, especially at the end of the movie where everyone's tying up loose, where the bosses are tying up loose ends and they're going around like Costa Rica and Vegas and everything and just shooting everyone in the fucking head. Uh, But this is one guy, I think it's the Costa Rica one, where they shoot him in the head, there's no blood. And then they go pew, 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 with the silencers, like all all on the ground, just riddling him with bullets. But you're, t- no, you're talking about the very end. I'm talking about the very end, but still no blood. Well, the Costa Rica guy at the very end, they're like, "Where are you going?" And they shoot him in the back of the head, and he just spits out blood. That's right. So, you know, they film the scene. He's got this red stuff in his mouth the whole time, and he's like, "All right, when we make the pew noise, spit out." Well, they did the same thing with uh, they did the same thing with Green's silent partner, where uh, right. he shoots her in the head, like you said, 
And then he like dips her head down and like just blood, like the red juice spills out. Hey, when a move works, you go back to it. Um, so this leads then to Ace's being interviewed. And this is his second biggest fuck up after firing Ward. Hold like on. marrying Ginger would have never been bad. It would have like it would have never cost him his his like livelihood. But then he on the record to a magazine says, I am the boss of this casino. And like that gives the county commissioner ammo to be like, we need to investigate this guy because he's clearly like he's saying he's the boss and he doesn't have a card. So let's like fucking get this guy. Well, hold on. Before we get into that, can we talk about how like absolutely shocked Green was when he learned about his silent partner's death when he gets off the plane? Yeah, it was real. He really did not know that that was getting. I think it also too hits him as like, "Fuck, they'll just kill this lady. Like, they'll kill me too." And in the end, when the FBI like raids his place, and he's like, "Listen, I'll tell you whatever the fuck you want." Like, he's like totally like, "I need protection." And I fuck these guys, like, get me out of here. But as I was saying, this, you know, the fact that he says he's the boss causes, like, that's the downfall, right? If he doesn't do that along with firing Ward, if he doesn't do either one of those one things, he might be okay. Um, To be fair, that reporter totally totally baited him into saying that. Well, be an adult and just say, no, I'm not the boss. It was a trick question. No, it wasn't. Um, but this leads to kind of one of my favorite scenes. There's a, all of my favorite scenes are when De Niro and Pesci are just talking like from here on, like they have like some great back and forths, like the next one's in the desert. Um, but Nikki comes over cause he wants to talk to the guy who, uh, you know, the banker who he's done some business deals with that uh, Ace set him up with. And I love when he's like, you know, if you don't have my money, I'm going to come and split your head open. And he's like, cause I'm stupid. I don't care about jail. That's my business. That whole fucking line is so fucking good. Yeah. Um, and then, but right after that, yeah, Pesci and De Niro just back and forth at each other. Like, that was so fucking good. Yeah. Apart. <clears throat> that part of the line wasn't even my favorite though. The part where he's like, <laughs> When you when you come out of your coma, I'll be coming out of jail. Right. Yeah. That's good too. That part was my favorite. Um and then like the there's the quick scene of like, you know, the everyone's telling Nikki he needs to lay low and Nikki's got all this tech to avoid the feds. I thought was pretty cool. But like none of that matters because we get introduced to uh oh we don't get we already got introduced to uh Pisano who the boss is hired to stop the leakage earlier. Right. And he's just like gets wiretapped telling everybody everything. And then earlier he talked about, I'm not getting paid for my expenses. So fuck it. I'm going to keep records of all my expenses and all these records just completely like tear everything down. I thought that was really good. I thought the, the, um, what was that part you mentioned right before Pisano? Um, the Nikki with all the FBI tech. Yeah, thank you. The part where he has to go under each parking garage and he has another car waiting for him. That was so funny to me. Well, that's a- that's after. 
Oh, that's after? Okay. That's like then I don't I don't remember what tech you're talking about then. He like it's just a quick scene where he's like the bosses tell him to lay low and he's got all this equipment in his offices to like block the FBI from listening in and to know like where they plant the bugs and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when yeah. that doesn't work, they hire um lip readers, so they have to like talk like yeah. with their hands covering over their mouth. Yeah. Uh, that's good too. Um and then we get to the board ruling with no testimony, which is it. They don't explain this, but the board just basically is like, no, you don't get a license. Presumably because the county commissioner is just like well connected. And he's like, no, this guy's not getting a license. But then the bosses later on. So after, after De Niro just fucking like blasts everybody, the bosses are like, why is he doing that? Don't, doesn't he know all those guys are our friends, which means they're in our pocket. And it's like, Okay, well then why did why did you just allow this to happen? Yeah. Like why did you allow him to not get his if you've if you are friends with these guys, like why doesn't he just have his license? Well, he couldn't get his license and to begin with. Like, okay, if it was that easy to get your license, then why didn't he just do that from the get-go? He couldn't because he had all the these like what felony charges or gambling black. Yeah, but this board this board decides that they could just decide to give it to him, and so the gangsters could make them decide to give it to him. That's what I don't because get. Because he had him in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you there. But if that was true, then why didn't they just do that in the beginning? Then going through this whole thing where it's like changing his job title every once in a blue moon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's why the line about like these are, you know, these are our friends. I was just like, that's confusing. Um, but then Ace says he like Ace goes on TV, just bad mouthing the board further. And then in talking to the big bosses, he's like, Well, I'm not the problem. Nikki's the problem. And that's when we get to the desert scene and him having to switch to six different cars. Um, and also what's cool, what's cool is that, you know, how he's like, we can't even do our codes anymore, so our wives have to talk. And the FBI has to click off after a certain amount of time. Yeah. In the, in the movie, they make it seem so smooth. Like as soon as the click happens, they start talking. But like that couldn't have worked in reality. They can't hear the click. So it's like, how did they know exactly when to start talking? Um, exactly. It's just like movie movie bullshit. Um, but the scene in the desert where Pesci's laying into him is so good. Yeah. I especially like the narration there where uh, De Niro is like, this time? Well, this time it feels like 50-50. <laughs> right. When it was like Pesci even like, and I think in narration was like, or no, maybe it was straight to him. He's like, if you do this again, I'll fucking kill you. Like, so it, was it, was like, it was straight to him. He, which is, is funny because it's like, did he not kill him because he, he knows the bosses don't want him to do that, which later on even talks about it being an unauthorized hit. Um, or does he do it because this is his friend and he's giving him the benefit that he wouldn't give someone else? It's like, uh, maybe I took it. I took it that way because even when Sharon Stone, Ginger, I don't. We keep. We always do this. Go back and forth between the act, actual actors' names and the characters' names. And I think Nikki, Ace, and Ginger are iconic enough, like names, to not be like De Niro, Pesci, Stone. But those are also super iconic names. So, um, when Ginger was like, oh, why don't you just kill him? Why don't you just kill him to Nikki about Ace, right? Just kill him. He goes, I'm not going to fucking kill my best friend for the likes of you. 
you yeah, know for, my friend of 35 years for you i want to talk about more of that scene like when we get to it but yeah that's it it's a different side of pesci that you get to see but it, it is interesting too to like get his true feelings um like about that um but it's funny after the desert scene too which ace goes you know hey when i let you out here and he's like you let me out here you didn't let me do shit i don't answer you that's like when he really goes off but afterwards, Nikki's like, oh, he won't even say hi to me. Like the scene where Pesci or um, when De Niro's like sitting down at the table and he looks at Pesci but doesn't come over. He's like, was oh, he mad at me? He won't even say hi to me. It's like, I mean, you just took him out to the desert where you like seemed like you were going to kill him. Like, why is he going to why is he going to talk to you? Can we talk about Sharon Stone taking the daughter with the pimp? Uh we were about to get there. The last thing I want to talk about before we get there is Nikki then right after this goes to the casino, which he's not allowed to do and basically loses 10 K and want, and wants another 50 just like of credit. He's like, which, cause he just treats this as like, this isn't a real business. This is our piggy bank. So just give me 50 K. Like I should just be allowed to take 50 K. Um, the only thing I want to say about that is the dealer in that scene, not the female dealer, but the male that comes in yes. is from rain man. He's the dealer in Rain Man? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Thought that was, he's also, uh, he deals war, the game of war in Vegas Vacation. Um, but that's not as cool as the guy from Rain Man. So. No, it's not. Also, I do like how Pesci takes a payphone and throws the entire payphone at the pit bus. <laughs> yeah, Don Rickles. <laughs> Has Don Rickles always been old? Yes. Okay. Him. Abe Vigoda and Christopher Lloyd. Oh, definitely Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Always been old. Came out of the Who was your third? Well, no. So I was like, I was like, for most of my life, it's been Jack Nicholson. But I like just saw Chinatown, and so like he looked young at a point. Yeah, I mean to be honest, Christopher Lloyd and Clue was pretty young. No, he wasn't. He just had his hair wasn't as white. Um, so now we get to the part where you want to talk about Ginger going to LA. First, she asks for a divorce and Ace is just like, uh, no, and you're not taking my child. Um, but then she decides to let, he decides to let her go to LA for what, a week or two, go to Beverly Hills to shop, um, which was a mistake. Yeah. Okay. So she's obviously with her pimp. I like how she's just doing coke lines in front of her daughter and she's like, no, don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this, sweetie. You know? Yeah. Not, not mother of the year. Like, and she's letting the pimp just talk like shit about this girl in front of her. Like, (laughs) I thought that was the funniest shit though. How the pimp is like, like we need to get rid of this fucking bitch brat. And she just turns to him and just sticks her tongue out to him. Yeah. Well, I think even the da- the daughter must know like who her dad is or who he's connected to because it's like he, I, I'm not, she was not scared of this low life. And I do love like, so uh, De Niro gets Lester's phone number and is like, I know she's there, put her on. And De Niro, and you know, so Lester played by James Woods is just like, hey, let's go to Europe. And she's like, if he fucking called here, he knows you're here he's gonna come kill us like how do you not understand this unless there's like 
no, no, this is perfect. We'll just take the girl to, to Europe, but everything will be fine. And she's like, as drugged out as she is, as stupid as she is, she has the wherewithal to be like, no, like we, this has not worked. And now I need to go back. And she like, I also she, like how it's Sharon Stone, right? And James Woods, James Woods is like, no, 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 this is perfect. You don't understand. We'll go to Europe. You'll dye your hair and get that plastic surgery like we always talked about. Yeah, my God. <laughs> he's, he's such a piece of shit in this movie. <laughs> um, and then the call is pretty interesting. So she calls Pesci at first, and Pesci's like, hey, all right, I'll try and smooth things over. But the call with De Niro where she, he's like, well, how much did you spend? She's like, 25000 He's like, okay. If it was any more than that, you know, twenty five of that $2 million that she has access to, it's like any more than that, I couldn't have forgiven. And I was like, what do you mean? Like 25,500? No, is you're off? done. No, you're, you're, you're fucking over. dead. A dollar more. Um, but then he like can't, you know, she comes back and he like clearly is like, all I wanted was my daughter. Like I'm, I'm sort of done with you at this point. Although he's I not thought, really. I thought she was going to walk off the plane. De Niro was going to have his daughter in, the ar- in his arms and then just like pull out a gun and just off Ginger. Yeah, I mean, if he was an actual gangster, maybe, you know, maybe. Um, but then we wouldn't have gotten those great Pesci and Sharon Stone scenes. So, you know. Sharon Stone actually got nominated for an Academy Award for this film. Yeah, I know. Of, of the things that this could have been nominated for, it is, like, her performance is, it's like the showier one. Like, not to say it wasn't good. It was great. Um, and I think the Pesci is great in this. It's really funny, too, because growing up, and maybe you were a little different, but growing up, Pesci's the Home Alone guy. Yeah, yeah. But then when you get a little older and you like, you know, after that you see my cousin Vinny and you're like, oh man, he's so, he's so great in that. And then you see all this stuff and you're like, oh wow. So he's just actually like, he's a great fucking actor. He's not the Home Alone guy at all. Although he was pretty great in Home Alone. And Home Alone too. I like two better. To New York. There's no. the Bird Lady. Tim Curry. That's true. Although that entire plot, subplot with Tim Curry doesn't make a lick of sense, but that's fine. What do you mean? Well, because, like, he's the hotel, like, um, concierge. Concierge guy, right? Um, manager, I guess. And he's, like, act, the acting foil within the hotel. Yet Pesci's there who was the main foil in the first movie. So it's like you have these two like very different bad guys in this film where I just the Tim Curry subplot just almost becomes pointless. That's how subplots work. They're a no. subsidiary of the rest uh, of the story. Usually subplots in a well-written movie work well with, say it's subplot B. It conjoins with the subplot A, creating the perfect ending. In this case, the bird woman was put in there to kind of do that. But Well, she's basically just the old guy with the shovel from the first one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Back to the movie we're talking about, which is not Home Alone 2. Uh-huh. Um, he couldn't let go of the 25k he has to ask what it was spent on which i don't understand like first of all make up better lies but also it's just like why this it's 25 it's the same it's the thing that always gets him in trouble right 
Like he couldn't let go of the 45 K they lost in the slots. And that's why he lost his casino, you know, mostly. And then he, you know, he can't let go of this 25 K out of 2 million. I don't know why you're on Sharon Stone's side on this, David, because obviously I would be up just as up because he knows, he knows that she spent the 25,000 on, on Lester. He knows that he, she probably spent it on drugs, his money. Like, think about it. What if your wife went off with your baby to go Her former and, pimps? Yeah. Ashley's former pimp. And then she takes $25,000 of your hard work, working money and blows it all on him. Literally. You're lucky she doesn't listen to this. I, that's not the point. The point is, if you are going to care about this 25K, don't take her back. You know she spent it on him. It, how she spent it is not going to matter. I think I, this is similar to the beginning of the movie where he gives her like, what, $100, $200 to go get cocaine, I guess, because she's like, I got to powder my nose. And when she comes back, he asks for the change, and she's like, oh, no change. <laughs> it, but it's like you knew this going into it. So it's like if, if you want to be done with her, be done with her. But you questioning her about it? It's like silly. And then the thing with the pager, it's like, if if your goal is to stay with her, then it's like, be with her. But if you're going to get rid of her, if you don't trust her, then get rid of her. Just do it. No, I agree with you. Also, it has occurred to me that people who very publicly use cocaine probably shouldn't use the uh, excuse, I'm going to go powder my nose in the restroom. Well, he knows she's using, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, a trick she like that's why she needed the money he knew she was going to do cocaine yeah but i mean don't say i'm gonna go powder my nose i mean how obvious can you get she was trying to be obvious she was asking for money fine but she get off sharon stone's back (laughs) i really hate her in this movie i'm so sorry i was just thinking the entire time like I mean, let me be clear. I don't like her character at all either. <laughs> like, I'm not not a fan. Um, so after the pager, though, she she goes to Pesci, and um, Pesci performs his move where he grabs the back of her head. Um, I, I like, you know, we talked about the coin thing, like that little. Does he Easter. have his pants off at that point? Like, it's so flawless, and it's like, is it just his zipper that they have to worry about? Like. Yeah, I don't know. He must have yanked it out with his offhand. I don't, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> she did it. Well, if you actually like watch the shot, so he puts her head down and then it zooms out and you could just like, it's just like, it's not a freeze frame, but they're both just frozen there. So her head's just like sitting there in his lap and she's like, when is the director going to call cut? I like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> There's not like a bobbing motion or anything. So, <laughs> um, I, but we were talking about like the coins, right? And that's like a little Easter egg. But really, like, looking at this movie objectively, it's like she was just doing this to survive is what it seemed like, right? She was like, I need a new sponsor. Like, I need, I need a new sugar daddy, basically. I need someone to save me because, like, this guy doesn't love me anymore and I'm afraid of him and I can't live like this. And it's like, I mean, he kind of drove her to this, you know? And, the, you know, after, after she blows past you, she comes back home. He's like, where did you go? And she's like with this friend and he figures out that's bullshit very quickly and like makes her call and she doesn't want to call. I love like 
De Niro's like, I really hope you didn't do what I think you did. Cause he knows it's Pesci, which is why he's so suspicious. It's why he's so angry. Yeah. But he's also at least practical in the moment of like, I'm not, I'm angry, but I'm also like, we're fucked here. Like you have done the worst thing you can do is like, you've hooked up with this madman who is going to screw us all. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. I don't know which is worse. I do know which is worse. And so because, you know, he's so worried about this, he's like, you need to back her off. And then he's the, the narration of this is how he backed her off. And it's like the sex scene where they're all really sweaty. Yeah. Um, What's funny too is at the same, not funny, but at the same time, like funny how, right. Pesci's like fucking up on the street and now the packages are getting smaller. And then all the bosses back there are like one, why is the money small? And then two, like, you know, we're hearing rumors that he's fucking, you know, De Niro's wife. Is that true? And he, you know, that's when we get the narration from Billy Bats and he's like, you know, I had to lie here. Like what choice did I have? But also in lying, like, this could be the thing that kills me. Um, so it's good that he, you know, he got out. And this next leads to the lip reader part, which you were talking about, and Pesci and Frank Martino talking about like, he's like, I want you to get some guys to dig a hole in the desert. I just want it ready. And he's like, you know, it's not an authorized hit, but I'm thinking about it. Right. Um, you know, all that is to set up sort of, you know, the end. And it's like what we talk, you know, talked about in the beginning with like the uh, the car blowing up and you think De Niro's going to die. Um, so it's, there's so many points in this movie where it's like you'll have kind of normal scenes and this slow pace and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we got to set up a lot of stuff for the end. And it's like, all right, five like short scenes back to back to back and it all just like runs really quickly. What's interesting about this is that you're never worried about when De Niro is going to die. Because you know when he's supposedly going to die. Right, absolutely. Um, And the next thing is when De Niro finds his daughter tied up. And, you know, no one answers at home. So he goes home and he finds her tied up. And it's like, man, like I would understand if he killed her right now. And for him to then go to the restaurant where she's with his best friend. Yeah. And the best friend is like a guy who could kill you and he's telling you to calm down and you're just like you you're telling me to calm down okay i'm like all right um yeah he's like be fucking nice and he's like he just walks past him because he's like i'm not gonna argue with you about this i'm gonna do this what's what's funny though is then he brings her home and then immediately kicks (laughs) her out no she she he's he doesn't kick her out she leaves and she goes back to the restaurant which i just feel like is a pointless scene because you could have just completed everything. Like you could have compacted the scene where they were confronting each other at the restaurant and the scene where she goes back to the restaurant. You could have just cut out the middleman. Well, it's important because she goes back to Nikki and then this is when uh, he calls Don Rickles to come over and like hide all the cash and hide the guns. But this and... is when Nikki kicks her out. Well, yeah. And this is a, also an awesome scene. I love when she's like, you know, he. He threatened me and he's like, hey, if you had taken my daughter, like I would have killed you. He's like, you don't, you know, you don't take a man's kid. And then she like, you know, says, why don't you just kill him? He's like, fuck you. And then I love, I love when she like attacks him and he like throws her down the stairs and then he throws her outside and she screams, I'm going to the FBI. And he's like, all right, be careful. (laughs) As he's like looking around, he closes the door. That's my favorite line of like, all right. 
be careful. It's so and he well sits done. down with Don Rickles and he's like, Hey, I No, it's not Don Rickles, he sits down with uh Billy Bats. Oh, Billy Bats, and he's like, I really fucked up, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like I thought this was gonna be okay. You know the saying, like, don't stick your dick in crazy? This is like the whole thematic cinematic universe of that movie. You're just on a streak today of saying things. Um, so then we get back to, uh, you know, De Niro being at his house and he thinks Pesci's coming to kill him when Pesci's like, no, nah, I'm done with this chick. So it's Ginger, Sharon Stone, who's coming. Um, and she's at her craziest. And the cops get called. And she like, I don't know why he didn't think like, hey, there's certain things. Why he forgot about that key. Like he hides the money in the closet. She goes into the closet at one point to steal like the money out of the shoebox. And she's like, fuck, because he like knew to take that. But he didn't think about the key with did, her name on the account. Know, did he even know where that key was? Well, it was in his locked desk. He locked it there on, on purpose. But it's like, <laughs> that was, you know, another mistake. And it uh, you know ended up costing him a like what a million dollars so and it's also the there's a like a small little part of a scene he sent his daughter to a neighbor's house and the daughter's just watching the mom yeah. through the window it's like that's so sad it is sad however hilarious because she throws a plant at him <laughs> so like leaves basically and then uh and then she goes to the bank and takes all the money. And I like how she like bribes the, not even bribes the cop, like tips the cop, like tips thank him. You. Yeah. Thank you, thank you uh, so much. So, she's like so nice to me. She's like I can't take that. No, 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 no. Please just take like what maybe five grand. Literally, it was like it was like half it's of a stack, stack of hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, that was that is a great scene, and then immediately this leads to kind of the start of the end of the movie because the FBI pulls her over and it's just like a montage of like everyone getting picked up. Oh, wait, hilarious part. <laughs> She's leaving the bank with $2 million. He's I think it's arriving, whatever. He's arriving at the bank. And the two cops stop him from like, presumably like beating her up. And she drives off. And uh, he's like, can you stop her? Can you like pull her over or something? And then the cops are like, what do you, what do you want us to do, man? How? He's One of the cops is like, we're talking to you. <laughs> yeah, we're talking to you. And then he's like, speeding, she's speeding. And the cops are like, is she? And she's like hitting 60 miles per hour. And he's like, yeah, he is. <laughs> so funny well it's just like they don't they can't be involved with this like they you know she had a legal right to the money it's like they can't stop her um but that, what's funny is they can't stop her but then they stopped him from getting to her which is like i don't know if you're gonna if you're i don't know if, but i mean he was walking towards her in like a threatening manner so Yeah, still. I mean, like, you got to wait for him to actually do something. Like, he's just going over to grab his money. Um, it's just, I don't know. And so, as we were saying, like, all the, all the, like, everyone's getting arrested now, and all the bosses get, get arrested. I do like, I, I was a little confused. They don't arrest De Niro, and it's like, does he's not connected enough to this to, to be charged with anything? I didn't think he was. However, 
they started not just arresting them, but they started offing them too. This is when we're talking. talking... I'm talking about the cops. The cops didn't off anybody. No, no, no. (laughs) And we're going to get to the people getting off, but like this is before. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't. So they're they're arresting all the bosses and then they come to, they come to De Niro and they're like, you know, show him the pictures of, of Nikki and his wife hooking up. He's like, I don't want to see these. He's like, and I'm not helping you. Like, I'm not doing any, I'm not getting involved. And it's funny that they don't even consider, they don't even consider killing De Niro. Because they talk about killing Cops? Andy Stone. No, the, <laughs> the mobsters. Oh, we were just talking about the cops. Yes, okay, the mobsters. Right, so the mobsters start talking about killing people, right? And I, the scene where they're like all in the room and all the mobsters are like, oh, you know, Andy Stone, he's a good guy. I trust him. He's not going to da-da-da-da. And then they get to the main boss, Remo, and he's like, yeah, but uh, why take a chance, you know? <laughs> That's why they killed. They're just like, you know, but uh, like, why? Why would we even remotely risk this? Let's just kill him. You know, who cares? Um, but why they didn't kill De Niro, it's funny. Like, he obviously wasn't going to talk. But, they, like, you would have thought, like, hey, we can't have any loose ends on this. Like, we don't see them go after Green, but Green probably, like, you know, gotten protection or something. Um, I took it, like... Because this is this is about the part where they decided to take um, to off Nikki, right? Uh yeah, it's like right before that. So they decided they killed Nance in Costa Rica, right? And we talked about that. It was funny. Is like they let him hide out down there, but then his son got arrested, and they're like, "Oh, he's probably going to come back, so we have to kill him." So something like completely out of this dude's control. They're just like, "All right, well, now we have to kill this guy." Um, and then we find out that Ginger was basically killed by them. Like at first it's like she overdosed, but then it turns out that they, they stuck her with like a hot dose, like something that was going to kill her. Um, and that scene is like, you can actually hear her like screaming in the other room, like, no, no. And then like, and then the narration's like, oh, but she died of an overdose. Like, oh, okay. That's weird. But then you find out she was actually killed. So it's kind of like a back and forth, like mind fuck there. Yeah. It was alluded to, but you know. Um, and so then we get to the car bombing where we actually find out that De Niro was not killed. And how that scene plays out in the <clears throat> beginning of the movie versus at the end is very different. First of all, I'd like to point out that in the first scene where the car explodes, they do this like quick cut where they obviously cut a pick of a shot of actual De Niro in the car as like maybe like a small controlled explosive goes off in the like the front of the car and then it's like quick cut to like a a wax figurine of De Niro in the car as the rest of the car explodes. It was 1995 they couldn't actually blow up De Niro they didn't have the technology to bring him back so. How much did you love the opening credits where that body just kind of just keeps rotating in the flames? That was a cool way to do it. Um, it's like, I, and I like, again, you know, once again, we were talking about earlier, I forget exactly what we were saying, but we're like, oh, it was the narration after Pesci's death, right? Like he's dying. So he obviously can't narrate this. And it's like, but they, you know, who the fuck cares, right? 
And so, yeah, when they show the car bombing the second time, it's like he's clearly not in there and they alluded to him being in there the first time. It's like, well, yeah, but who the fuck cares? Like they're trying to show you, like they're, they're tricking you and they're doing it on purpose. And so like, you know, whatever. Um, and so he, he lives, he wasn't killed. He immediately knows like who did it. He like, he says like, I know who would have done this unauthorized hit because the bosses didn't, didn't allow him to. And he's like, obviously alluding to Pesci. And then we get to the cornfield, which we have discussed mostly in detail already, but there's still, there's still some stuff. So my thing is, is that the bosses wanted to kill Pesci, right? Not De Niro. Well, De Niro doesn't have the juice to, to kill people. He has to like ask for people to be killed. The bosses are the ones who decide if people get killed. No, I know. But did he ask? No, no. They, I mean, it's in the narration. It says that he just got too wild and he was, you know, too, too much of a liability. I mean, he'd been a liability the whole fucking movie, but now they decided it was the time. What was Pesci thinking that they were out there for? I think he thought it was a meeting to, uh, to send his brother back to Vegas because it was too hot for him to go back to Vegas. So they're trying to like get operations going in in Vegas. That's what he thought. It wasn't. No, the, the streets were definitely too hot. Especially for him. Um, did you notice that the, the Joe Pesci in the hole with the dirt on him was an animatronic Joe Pesci? No. I didn't notice it the first time, and then I read it was, and then I watched it the second time. I was like, oh, yeah, that is. <laughs> like, it, was, it wasn't bad, but it, it was funny to see. Because like, it was just like the face is just moving like, back and forth like an animatronic face just like with its mouth opening and closing. I was like, oh, wow. Watch it again. Like, you can notice it. No, but I mean, I can, I can see, but also I could also imagine that's how someone would be like if they're dying. And then the movie ends. There's this whole thing about how Vegas has changed and it has like old people walking into this casino, which is, I guess, supposed to make us sad that gangsters don't run Vegas as well, which I mean, it's still gangsters. It's just corporate gangsters now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you show De Niro at the end with the big glasses and he's just, I, I do love the ending of like, you know, so I just went back to gambling because, you know, as the bosses thought. And I think like, you know, why ruin a good thing? So it's like his life really didn't change. He got a daughter out of it, but like, it was just this like wild time in his life and that's it. Well, no one's life really changed. Right. I mean, a lot of people did. Uh, yeah, but I mean, stones did. Right. Um, but no one actually learned from any of this. Like no one changed for the better. No one realized, Oh, this was my arc. Like no one had an arc. People died in the end, sure, but they died doing the same fucking mistake that they did in the beginning of the movie. Pesci was out of control and off the handle, so he was taken care of because of that. Didn't, didn't learn from that. And Sharon Stone was a drugged out junkie who died from that. The only person who got away with anything was De Niro. But then again, he just kind of went back to his, like, sad little life i guess i don't know how sad it was he looked like he was doing pretty well his mediocre fine life i don't know he he just went back to you know what he was in the beginning of the movie yeah yeah i mean i don't i don't think scorsese feels the need to like have an after school special ending where like someone learns from their mistakes like this is based on true life um no but that's that's kind of that's kind of just scorsese's trope in all his movies that no one like 
really learns from their mistake and they just kind of go back doing what they know how to do. Whether it's being a handicap better or being a gangster. Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to think. Scorsese movies where somebody learned something. The Departed. They all died. Um, Goodfellas. No one learned anything. No. I mean, Karen learned that she needed to divorce Henry Hill. So that was something for her. Uh, Let me see. Taxi driver? Nope. Just a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of lessons learned. Although, didn't Scorsese direct Catch Me If You Can? Was Was that Scorsese? That was Spielberg. Yeah, I think you're right. He directed The Aviator. Yeah, Howard Hughes did not learn anything. <laughs> no. Also, he was mentally ill. Well, maybe he overcame it. He learned not to pee in jars. He beat on himself. Keep, keep the jars. No, I think he did that. Yeah, Spielberg directed. Yeah. Damn. Shutter Island? Oh, no. No, no one learned anything from that. Well, you know, we talked about how I think both of us liked Goodfellas better. That isn't to say that I didn't like this movie. I thought it was really great. Um, Super violent, but then at the same time, not that violent. Um, And I, you know, in these movies, these rise and fall type gangster movies or just rise and fall movies in general, I think it helps that you don't like these characters. It because then the fall, it's like, you know, it's good to not care about people that are this bad. So I thought the movie was really great, um, paced really well, amazing acting. And it is definitely one that I could see myself putting on again, you know, down the road. I agree with you about the rise and fall characters. I think that's kind of like, have you, have you ever seen Scarface? Yes. I have not. So I, that's definitely be one to do in the future. Um, but yeah, no, I really like this movie. Like I said, I felt, I felt like this movie was very much more plot driven than character driven. Um, I like this film, but I think just like with my other gangster watches, I don't think I'm going to be like, you know, scratching the itch to watch it again. Um, and I and I'd have to be one of those Scorsese fans that say that I enjoyed Goodfellas more. That's just me, because I think I enjoy more character-driven films. But nonetheless, I think there's some really cool scenes that came out of this movie. And uh, yeah, I I thought um, out of like gangster flicks, this was a pretty decent one. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alan. And I finally finally watched watched Casino. Casino.